And then I've looked at the shore and I've realised, oh, hang on, I'm 600 metres offshore. Half half a mile <laughs> offshore, yeah. Half a mile offshore. There's all this blood in the water, you know, what now? So, you know, man, that that period of swimming offshore, onshore with blood in trail was like one of the most nerve-wracking moments of the sport I've ever had. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? It's Blake Fletcher, the half-hour intern. Before I tell you about today's guest, I got some super dope, fresh news for you guys. A couple things. One is that I just came out with a newsletter. I sent out the first edition of the newsletter a couple days ago. If you want to sign up for the newsletter, you can do that on the homepage of Half Hour Intern. And uh, yeah, I'll just share thoughts, fun, exciting things. Um, I'll always go over upcoming episodes of the show um, that otherwise you wouldn't really know about, as well as upcoming guests I'm going to interview if you'd like to submit questions for them. Um, and then just other random stuff. So far, I've gotten a really good response from the first newsletter. So if that's something you guys would like to get in your mailbox every couple weeks or so, just sign up on halfhourintern.com. As well, in that newsletter, there was a link to a survey, which I put on the Half Hour Intern website. And there's actually a link to it right at the top of the homepage. Um, if you guys could go onto the survey, I'd really appreciate it. It's only two questions, um, but it's going to kind of dictate future episodes of the show, depending on how you guys answer those two questions. So if you want any say in how the show goes, that is your opportunity. Now, today's show, I interview two awesome gentlemen by the names of Isaac Daly and Levi Brown. They go by Shrek and Turbo, respectively, and they are spear fishermen. So we're going to be going over the hobby of spear fishing, and they um, also run their own website and podcast called Noob Spiro. Noob as in like the video game term noob and then Spiro, which is an Australian term for spear fisherman. And these dudes are Australian and they have awesome accents and uh, they just absolutely love spear fishing. So we'll discuss how to do spear fishing the ethics and stuff involved with spearfishing, and you'll get to hear an awesome death-defying story from Levi about one of his crazier days out spearfishing. So without further ado, here is spearfishing. Isaac, Levi, thanks so much for being on the show, guys. Ah, awesome to be here, Blake. Yeah, thanks man. for having us. Thanks for having us. I'm just stoked to have... Well, I had one person from New Zealand on the show, and I know one of you guys is from New Zealand, the other one's from Australia. I'm just stoked to have you guys on. It's always so pleasant to talk to someone with an accent. You guys sound awesome. Ah, <laughs> thanks, I'm we're, blushing. We're, we, we, we talk to some Americans every now and then on our show as well, and it's really good to um, break it up. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I, I feel like we must just sound so boring to everyone else. Like, do I do I sound really boring to you? Nah, man, nah. you guys have got like this excited tone. It's kind of like we're, we're maybe a little bit more laid back down this this hemisphere. Yeah, yeah, right. th- yeah, that's true. I, I, I really like, actually, I, I really like talking to the Americans because what we were actually saying we think you're, you're better speakers, particularly in an interview scenario, like with an Australian, it's just so like, 
Well, you know, mate, well, I was out spearfishing the other day. And then, then you get online to some American, he's like, so I was out spearfishing the other day, you yeah, know, and yeah, this big cool sure. swam up to me. And we're like, wow, finally someone's got some stoke. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> for sure, it's like, man. it's like reverse. Every American's Steve Irwin or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> For sure. Man, I never thought about that before. I'm going to appreciate it so much now when I'm talking to American people from now on. I'm not going to appreciate myself so much more now. This is great. Um, yeah, cool. So, guys, talk to us about. We should probably start with how you guys got started spearfishing. So, if you each want to tell your story of, like, was it going out with your dad? Was it just picking it up one day? How did it all start? Well, yeah. So, like, I uh, I grew up sort of six hours inland in a really dry, hot part of Australia. What you guys would probably call, you know, the outback or the start of it. So, uh, I didn't have a lot to do, you know, with the ocean and, until I decided to go and study marine science and then uh you know things kind of changed and i uh i sort of moved closer to the coast and in my mid-20s yeah a, a girlfriend at the time she bought me for christmas just this really cheap you know kmart snorkel set <laughs> and um and i was just like wow cool what's this so we went down to the down to the water and i don't know just perfect conditions a glass out day beautiful water and i started snorkeling and i was like i love this and then Three three episodes later of this snorkeling, I was kind of like, I'm kind of bored with this. And uh, <laughs> I sort of, what, what am I doing here? And then uh, I uh, was in a tackle shop, and I saw this in the in the throwout bin, sort of in the corner, you know, like where all the bargains. The are. discount bin the where discount, you do right, all your shopping. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, sitting in the corner, this sort of like this pole spear, as we call them. So it's just a a red piece of fiberglass with um, three metal prongs on the end, and I was like. What is that? So I, I sort of bought this thing for, you know, $30 and, and took it to the coast and, and that was it. I was just in the water every day, you know, before and after work and, uh, yeah, progressively got better. And that was sort of on the very southern tip of the Great Barrier Reef, I guess you could say. So That really is spoiled. the perfect type of hobby for like a 20-year-old guy to pick up. I mean, like you said, being a 20-year-old guy, you just see this this big barbed spear in a bucket. You're like, hell yes, I need that right now. Like, what what can I start stabbing with that thing? <laughs> oh, totally. You, you just go hell for leather in those those first days. And, and when you get that first fish, I, I remember I, I shot my first fish. And um, I was so stoked, mate. I'm, I'm walking along the beach and there's a few backpackers lying on the beach sunning themselves. And <laughs> I've got this, you know, big brown fish. I've got no idea what it was. And it's sort of, got the, I've got my spear in one hand and, and all my, my snorkeling gear in the other. And I'm just like walking up the beach like alpha male, like, look at me. I've just made this. I've ventured into the sea. I've killed my own, my own dinner. And I'm just like so proud as punch. And I got to the car. And there's this other sort of old salty sea dog up there and he'd been doing it for years and he sort of looked at it and he went, I said, mate, is this any good? And he goes, brown mowong, mate, throw it back. (laughs) And and I'm still going, you know, you'd think that would deflate you, but I'm thinking, no one at home's going to know it's a bad fish. Yeah, totally. That guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Oh, totally, man. And I was just on cloud nine. So that was my sort of initial startup story, man. That's Mm. cool, man. Isaac, how about you? Yeah, so growing up in New Zealand, like, um, we're all sort of, like, in your late teens, you're sort of sold on this eco-tourism lifestyle, because New Zealand's right into that, and um, so I sort of got marketed into doing some preliminary scuba diving courses, and um, I started off doing just my normal open water and that, and then they sort of upsold us to come and do your your dive masters, so I did the second course, and 
And then the third course, I did my instructor's tickets as well, and I was 18 years old. And um, in New Zealand, you're allowed a spear on on scuba. And a lot, what a lot of the guys were doing was using um, pole spears or Hawaiian slings while they were on scuba. But I actually started freediving even then as well. But um, that was kind of my n- initial experience with it was um, just shooting big schools of these... Um, they're called leather jackets, but they just sort of swarm you, man, like a plague of locusts. And, uh, and they're, they're, they're really... Um, what would you call they're really curious so they sort of come right up to you like a you know like a like a, like, <laughs> like what's this guy and then you yes i don't know so you, i shot probably i don't know four or five on my first dive and uh they they tasted really good and so that was kind of the the origins of spearfishing for me so is that just like fish in a barrel like they surround you you just shoot wherever you want and you're gonna hit something exactly exactly <laughs> what it was like and they're not like a they're not like a fish that most spear fishermen target like sort of when you start off like a lot of species you 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 do take just through sort of lack of knowledge um but after a while, you get more and more selective, and, and the ethics start to kick in as well. But, I mean, these fish were prolific on the reef system, and uh, and they and, and a lot of people do eat them, but it's just not something you... There's a bit of stigma about targeting them when you become more experienced, I guess you could say. Yeah, for sure, man. So, and that's something I want to talk a lot about later, is the whole entire ethics and where people are at with all that. Um, but first... Is spearfishing like way bigger in Australia and New Zealand? Like, is there much of a spearfishing community in like North America and stuff? Because I mean, the water is so much colder here, and for that matter, I would imagine murkier. Is the water a lot clearer there? Wow, what a question! Um, <laughs> well, no the the water the water generally for most people is sort of dirty inshore, so. You know, around the shores, it's due to tidal impact and, and wave action. You're going to get sort of dirtier water, sort of inshore and cleaner water offshore as a general rule. But the water clarity doesn't dictate how popular the sport is in an area or, or how cold it is. Like for you guys in North America, I mean, we've interviewed guys spearfishing in New York. Yeah. I mean, um, wow. the conditions aren't good. They don't get out a lot, but they're so stoked and keen on the sport that, you know, they'll they'll persevere. Mm. Um I know down in, in Florida and the southern states of the US, it is massive. There, there are spearfishers everywhere. It's, they've got a great community um, and, you know, really varied stuff from reefs to oil rigs to shore diving. And and I think one thing we've noticed, um, like, yeah, though, though the it is big here and it, it it's a big sport in South Africa as well, it's, it's everywhere. You know, the South Americans love it. Um, we've got guys in Scotland that have messaged us and said, guys, love the podcast. And here we are talking about, you know, 26-degree water on the Great Barrier Reef. And this guy's probably in, I don't know, like five-degree water in the North Sea. Yeah, you know, some probably some really crazy some crazy waters as well up there. That's that's insane. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I tell you what, when you get a like a message like that off a Scottish guy, you, you don't feel... As alpha male, when he <laughs> describes his conditions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, when you're holding your little brown fish and you got just perfectly warm water. Yeah, yeah exactly. So you guys have thrown out a lot of terms already that I totally don't know at all, but it all kind of centers around, I would imagine, like different types of the sports. So you mentioned like pole spears, Hawaiian springs, going off of reefs, oil rigs, all these different places and types. Like, 
just give us an education on some of that. What are the different ways that someone can do this? Um, be it with like okay. a gun or just with your hand, like just trying to stab things and then yeah. different areas <laughs> that are kind of the most popular areas to do this. Okay. Yeah. So a pole spear is kind of like, like what it sounds like. It might be, you know, from five feet to nine feet long and it might be in three parts that you sort of screw together, but it's a single long spear uh, with one big rubber band at one end that you sort of you you, you um, wrap the band in your thumb and you put your pull your hand up the the shaft and that gives you the the power if you like so you're not throwing the spirit of fish you the, the rubber's doing all the work for you so you, you point and release kind of thing well but there's uh, no the actual gu- um, like trigger mechanism like you're just using the rubber band not- and that's it yeah, that's correct. Not on a pole spear or Hawaiian sling, the same thing. But um, yeah, no, there's no there's no trigger on that. Um, a gun, alternatively, is a full, fully um, uh, like a shaft um, enters and exits the gun. But again, it's rubber powered. But the trigger does your release work for you. So interesting. Is that, is that clear? It, totally. <laughs> so, and before we get to the different areas that you can do this, on that end, is there? Yeah, I, a while ago, I talked to a guy um, who was was into archery, and it sounds like there's a little bit of kind of like animosity between the different archery groups with whether or not you use like assisted aiming or like a professional recurve bow or some sort of uh, like old school style of bow. Are there, I would imagine like people that use the pole spears kind of feel like they're a little bit more like quote unquote traditional um, and kind of hate on the people that use the guns. Is that correct? No, nah, there's not really a lot of hate there. I think there's a lot of respect for guys that still use a pole spear or Hawaiian sling because it is much more difficult. Um, and a lot of guys that get very good with a spear gun will actually go back to a pole spear. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of sort of transitions stuff. There, no, there's not a lot of animosity between the, 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 the types of spear or what they use. They're, yeah. It's, it's kind of... Uh... It's kind of part of the learning curve, the pole spear, because it, because it's such a limited tool and it's got sort of a limited range and limited power, you've really got to hone your the rest of your dive technique, you know, around that, that really primitive weapon. So right. when you're starting out, the benefits to it are just incredible. Like, um, and, and alternatively, once you've been using a gun to go back to a pole spear, and I know that I've had a lot of trouble doing this, is using that pole spear effectively. Because mm. it is just so primitive, mm. so it, there's not so much an animosity, but it's sort of like your uh, transition, really. Yeah, mm. Mm. yeah, yeah. And animosity was definitely the wrong word, I guess. I just I, you were talking about being yeah. alpha male and stuff like that. I feel like the yeah. guys that are pros with pole spears, like they would be the alpha males, you know? Oh, definitely. Yeah, there's the, a bit of that. The, the sort of main distinction, I guess, if you could find some animosity, would be probably between people that use scuba scuba tanks as opposed to those that do it as a breath hold diver or a free diver. Oh yeah. So, so that's the that's the main difference. And here in our part of the world, in most parts of the world, scuba tanks um, it's illegal to to take fish on because it is that easy. And in I think in other parts of the world, like in, in the US, there are some guys that legally take fish on scuba. Mm. They, the guys that dive on scuba in the States and some of the other areas in New Zealand as well, um, generally they're diving very deep, very dark, very cold water. Um, free diving is the um, sort of more mainstream method of spearfishing though these days. But yeah, yeah. That's really cool that um, the governments will get together and protect it like that. That's a great idea to make it illegal mm. to do it 
scuba diving. I didn't really think about that, how you were saying about just how much easier it would be to just take home a ton of fish that day if you had a scuba tank. What are what are the different um, tactics and like techniques and stuff that you start to learn about as you get better at spearfishing? So spearfishing is pretty amazing in that like you've got to go from these this sort of you know hunting predatory type sort of angle, and then you've got to come from the relaxation breath hold diving kind of thing. And so there's this stark contrast. So you need to train both of those instincts. So one of them is like you know how to how to breathe properly, and that's something that you need to learn to be able to relax and spend more time down on the bottom. And then um, the hunting side, like it's just like hunting on land, I guess. You've got to sort of train your instincts to be able to um, – we're never, we're never going to beat a fish for speed, so we're always using stealth. And so you need to train your body to uh, move in ways that don't intimidate your prey and um, how to approach them and things like that. And th- there's that many techniques. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of very – hard and very specific to your part of the world and very and your type of spearfishing oh man and that's just got to be such an amazing and steep learning curve like those things i would imagine are hard for hunting on land but at least you know you're used to walking around on your feet all day every day anyways you know so you're just perfecting a craft that you're already using every single day to go in the water and to try to be really subtle and sneak up on something has got to the learning curve has got to be so steep yeah, yeah. So yeah, and there's a lot of different techniques you can you can learn, and sort of like like you said, there is a steep learning curve. And kind of the way to do it is to get a mentor or or join a club, and um and those guys can sort of help you learn the ropes because, like in every different part of the world, they they employ different techniques successfully. So you don't have to learn everything at once. You're better off kind of like getting good at what the guys in your area do, and then um and normally like spearfishermen have got. Yeah, their their own their own way of going about things as well. So it's it's something you want to be a part of is, is join the community in your area if you're interested in it. Yeah, for sure. So how how easy is it? Like once you've put a couple of weeks in to let's say like going out there like three or four times a week, uh, like how often are you catching fish? Um, are you get are you like getting more than one a day, less than one a day? Wow, well, it's, it's, that's so dependent on your your area and your the fish around you like your your learning curve these days for guys is a lot faster because there's a lot more information out there and a, and a lot of guys a lot more guys doing it but when i started i was isolated i had no one around me i i had to figure everything out for myself so it took me a long time to really get my first fish and and sort of consistently land fish and i mean it might have taken me a year or more to consistently land fish and even these days i i wouldn't say we Consist- well, we consistently land fish, but not a lot of fish. And I think it's just so varied um, in, in place to place. Like Generally, I think, Blake, for us, like we probably get out maybe two times a month. And on a good trip, we might take four or five fish. Um, and that's all we want to take. Um, and then, But then other days you have a quiet day and you might just shoot one or two fish. But um, we, we like the sort of the longer you do it too, you develop your own sort of you know, like where you just sort of go, that okay, that's enough. That's sort of what I came for, and and then that's it. So it's it's a very selective sport, and it's um, but it's highly addictive as well. Yeah, definitely. I it, it sounds like it must just be so much fun. And I in prior to this interview, I watched some videos that you guys had links to on your site, and it just yeah, it looks so peaceful and and just awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um. Can you? you, you I, I didn't. Sorry. Go ahead. You find a lot of the guys that do it have this 
and, or, and the girls. There, there's more and more girls doing spearfishing as well these days. Like they, they, most of the people that do the sport have a natural affinity for the water, so they're very comfortable in the water already. And then they have a like a you know the hunter predatory sort of drive as well. So it only the sport only appeals to a small group of people. And then there's the physical challenges and the learning curve as well. It, it means that there's 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 never going to be a lot of us put it that way yeah would you say that the majority of people that you meet that are spear fishers are also surfers no but there's definitely a crossover there there's definitely a crossover a lot of surfers take to it pretty quickly yeah, yeah. a lot of surfers like when the water's really flat they'll go spear fishing, but when there's surf they'll go surfing i've got another friend that does kite surfing so when there's a lot of wind he's kite surfing and when there's no wind he's spear fishing so it's a good marriage for him yeah, for sure. I That was in one of the videos that you guys had on your site that the guy mentioned that. So, all right, let's talk a little bit about um, some of the uh, like the ethics of this and like the thoughts that have gone through your guys' heads over the years and the talks uh, around spearfishing and stuff like that. So, first of all, does, does the spear go all the way through the fish or does it just like puncture and then stay like partway through the fish? Yeah, okay. So, the spear, yeah, we'll go, you know all the way through the fish but what what you've got to think about the spear is it's a it's a sharpened sort of uh six millimeter round piece of steel and on it's got like this little piece of metal attached to it that flops up and down and and when it goes through the fish that sort of toggles and that holds the fish on the end of the spear and um and that sort of sort of keeps it there now preferably it goes all the way through the fish because you're going to hold the fish but as spearfishers, sort of what, what the goal is and what we strive to do is to do one-shot kills. So there's no suffering of the fish. So as you progressively get better, your aim gets better and you end up targeting the fish's brain. Mm. So the brain of the spinal cord. So as soon as the spear hits it, that fish is completely dead right. in the water. Now, this does a few things, right? So I know that sounds terrible, but, <laughs> but in terms of a hunter-gatherer um, scenario... That's the best option. That that is the best mm. outcome you can have for any food. Oh, for food. sure, yeah. So, so you've unlike unlike let's look at line fishing. And I don't want to drag those guys down, but but people always look at spear fishing. And they go, "Wow, that's incredibly cruel." And you say, "Well, hang on, I've killed the fish instantly, and if I haven't, I've dispatched it with my dive knife within seconds." Now, if a fish is brought on deck, wait, with sorry, a fork, t- before you talk about the line fishing, talk about that really quick. So, if you don't kill it instantly through the head, then then how do you kill it? Because you've got so much control on the fish and the fish is attached to your your gun or yourself with a line to the spear, you, you, you pull the fish in as quickly as possible and you've got these these your dive knife and it's a little bit different to a scuba knife. It's it's quite short, uh, it's quite stubby, but it's, it's, it's pointed, serrated, and it's very sharp. And it's more of a dagger, I guess you could call it. And as spear fishermen, what we do if we don't get the head shot, we, we hold the fish and we use a method called ikijimi, or ikijime, <laughs> not Japanese, but but that's a method of spiking the brain of the fish for an instant kill, and um, and that's that's the most ethical way that you can dispatch a mm. fish. Mm. It's it's quick, it's v- relatively pain free because it's so fast. So if you don't get that perfect shot, that's your aim to get the fish as fast as possible and dispatch it as quick as possible. You were going to compare that with with lime fishing. Yeah, yeah. So. So, with, with line fishing, I mean that the fish is hooked in the mouth. It's played out for a maybe, se- maybe if you're lucky, yeah, or foul hooked. Um, 
you know, and there's also the potential for the hook to go into the gill cavity and cause bleeding. Um, and then it's sort of dragged on board and quite often the hook's removed and it flaps around on the deck of a boat, suffocating. Mm. So in terms of a, uh, the process, the length of the process of the fish being dispatched, it's, it's generally a lot shorter in spearfishing. I think I think in all forms of recreational fishing, there's something to be said for you know catching and dressing and killing and and getting a food prepared, you know yourself. There's something to be said for that. A lot of the food you buy in a supermarket, those fish have been hauled up in a net, they've been drowned, and uh, or, and they've suffocated in a net and hauled on, and you don't know which which part of the ocean it's come from. The the, the beauty about spearfishing is is how selective it is, and and sort of the more experience you get, the more the more robust you you're personal ethics i think get and uh it's all about you know you sort of educate yourself it's not like you just go out there and sort of go on a killing spree you 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 really sort of learn spearfishing one species at a time and so a lot of the time if you are hanging out in a good community the guys in your area will teach you about the reproductive cycle of the fish and you know the seasonal fluctuations and sometimes legislation's up to speed and you know, it's illegal to do the things that are wrong, but a lot of the times it's kind of like a self-governed sport. But yeah, like I said, due to the selective nature of it, and you sort of you develop a respect for the food you're going to yeah, catch. Definitely. I think, and um, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I mean, all that makes so much sense to me. I first of all, I imagine just line fishing, you would grow so much more respect for the fish. Doing what you guys do, you are actually like up close and personal with the fish every time you go out so much more so than when you're fishing from a boat and so that is obviously great and the second thing is the amount of effort that you have to put in to getting a fish can only lead to to good things one you're obviously not going to be taking as many fish out of the water but two just on that whole entire um respect piece of it it's like the the more difficult that that whole process is i think kind of the the better you know Yeah, I was going to say, like, on a typical day spearfishing here off off Brisbane, Morton Island, like, we'll travel for potentially an hour in a boat to get to, you know, some of the more more um, isolated locations um, that are right out the front because we're in an enclosed bay, so it's sort of dirty water. So we get out the front where it's not big open ocean and it's nice and clean water. And, um, you know, we might do... 40 to 50 dives in, um, you know, in varying depths between, you know, say 25 feet and, you know, maybe 100 feet of water, um, just to put it in an imperial. And, um, and you know, and for that for that 40 or 50 dives in that depth, you, you might only take two fish for the day. And so it's very, it's very rewarding. And every fish you catch is, you know, it's, it's, it's awesome. Like, it's a sort of a celebration. That's, yeah. that's I think, why, why you see you. guys hold it. Yeah, that, and that's why the guys hold up the fish for the trophy shots. It's not so much about the, I think, the ego for a lot of us. It's more about, like, that fish is like a celebration of that entire day kind of thing. Yeah, definitely, man. That uh, that sounds great. Is there, talk about some of the backlash against the spearfishing fishing community. Like, is is there, is it kind of the same as, like, the hunting community or not quite so much because it's fish? Um, what, what are some of the issues? I, I don't think we do get the backlash, and I, I think that is partly because, yeah, they are fish. Like, to, to be to be honest, they're not cute and cuddly creatures out on the African savannah, if, if that makes sense. You know, this is not yeah. the last, you know, rhino. So people sort of don't have that 
affection, I guess. Yeah. I think, and and that's really how I think the broader public sees it. Yeah. Well, um, and they're repopulating is- at such a greater rate than you know, like a deer or something like that. Mm. I, I know, and it's really funny. And as the ones doing the hunting, and I guess the killing spearfishers, we're kind of the opposite. We're like, well, hang on, that's our reef, that's our system, and you know, I mean. If we were to go through and, and take everything, well, that reef system would shut down and we could no longer do our sport. So it's kind of it's kind of like an, an opposite effect, I guess, to the, the hunting community. Yeah. Um, I, I guess sort of because we need our waters and we need to look after them, we sort of we sort of do it more. And um, and if there were to, was to be any backlash, I guess it'd, it'd kind of be fairly unfounded as well. Um, to add to that, I think because fishing is so... Um, traditional in sort of you know our societies like people have been taking fish forever it's just seen as a a way of sourcing food that i don't think it's seen as a a bad practice either so in terms of you know backlash from environmental groups i really personally i haven't really seen any Mm. yeah that's great uh, i mean there shouldn't be any for all the reasons that you guys just talked about there really shouldn't be and i've Mm. i have seen and it's quite interesting you'll see somebody new to the sport that's uneducated particularly on social media and and they'll take a fish and it'll be it'll be legal, but it won't be what uh, the spearfishing community deems as a worthy catch. So this will be you know completely legal and uh, a really good case is um, is what I is the backlash I saw within the spearfishing community uh, within Florida. A guy went out and he shot some hogfish, like this beautiful sort of fish you get throughout the southern states in the Bahamas, and a quite a quite an easy fish from what I gather to shoot. And he'd shot some that weren't of a great size. And the spearfishing community ran that guy down so hard, you know, like, man, you've got to let these things breed, you know. If you take 10 of these, and um, that's 10 less that are reproducing. And, and sort of what you find is if you do the wrong thing, the spearfishing community comes down quite hard on you. Like, it can be quite harsh. Yeah, mm. that's great. That's great. But if you, if you were to ask me the one place I want to go spearfishing, I'd have to say New Caledonia. Okay. Like, just an incredible island, an incredible reef system. And and the fish that guys seem to be able to shoot, like it's it's proper frontier country, you know. Yeah, like where where is are... that? So again, it's it's an island out in the Pacific, um, just sort of west of Vanuatu, I believe. It's uh, a French colony, so that's predominantly the language spoken there, and uh, they they've got around the old French. All right, <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, and, and just incredible. There was a couple of um, world records taken there recently, and. And they were just amazing when an Australian guy went over and he got two world records in two days. Can you remember what they were? One was Damn. a dog tooth tuna. How big was that? Yeah, really? dog tooth tuna. Like I think it was like 110 kg or something like like that's um 250 pound. Uh, <laughs> just an absolute like a you can imagine shooting like a a, a ballistic missile and like that's how much power. Well, yeah, these, tunas these, are just solid fish. muscle. How are you supposed oh, to yeah. stop something like that once you've shot it? I imagine it would just run away with you. So like <laughs> like we've talked a bit about equipment and kind of the basics. I mean, it just means that you sort of you still keep everything fairly simple, but you you, you sort of rig your equipment for these bigger fish. Blake, have you have you ever seen Jaws? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, you know how they they're shooting the shark and there's barrels attached to it. Yeah. Well, it's a kind of a similar process on the on the from the gun. He run, he'll run a uh, what's called a rig line, and that rig line might be thirty meters long, and that'll run up to some floats, 
Okay, and that and that's designed to slow the fish down as as quick as possible. I mean, and I'm not having a shot at the guys that go after the big fish. Like, I, I think there's another breed of guys that do that, but um, most of us are just catching our dinner. Um, <laughs> yeah, good yeah. on, good on. So, do after they after you hit a big fish like that, are they then hooking the line onto those other barrels? Or I, I mean, I'd be so worried that the fish is just going to swim like a hundred miles out to sea with me still attached to it. Well. Yeah, well, essentially it does go to those floats, but you are attached. I mean, that's at no point are you not attached to your fish, like you're holding your, your rig line, and, and it's then your your job to slow that 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 missile down. Wow! Essentially, so if you yeah. accidentally hooked some like the Incredible Hulk fish, you might just be like going for the ride of your life. Yeah, essentially yeah, that's what exactly happens. right. Wow, crazy! We've seen, we've seen guys shoot big sailfish and things like that. And they get towed through the water for a kilometre or something, and you know, before the fish tires, and uh, you know, and then they finally get to dispatch their prey. But it's a different type of spearfishing. <laughs> it's, oh. it's, it's 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 it has its own unique sets of challenges. Yeah, yeah, I bet. Um, like, okay, I, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I could I could tell you about the. I've sort of had one of those experiences, and they're quite exciting. Yeah, but but when I was quite green, and and my first step up from like a, a hand spear. I, uh, I I bought what we call a European gun, and this is a beautiful gun, you know, with a handle and a trigger and a nice spear, and uh, and it has a reel on it. So if a big fish runs, the reel on the bottom of the gun spools out, and you can sort of get to the surface and follow that fish around on the surface. It actually tows you on the surface. And now that's you know for quite big fish, and I was quite new to this sport, and I sort of got in the water one day, and. Um, and we have a fish here, and you that we call a Spanish mackerel, and in in the US you call it a king mackerel. And uh, and I was on the bottom, sitting there quite stealthy. I'd, I was holding what we call a static breath hold. So I dived to the bottom. I'd held my breath. I was sitting lifeless on the bottom with my head down, looking through the tops of my goggles, so that the fish couldn't see my eyes. That's quite important. And this Spanish mackerel swims up to me out of the murk, and I thought, Oh my God, have a look at that. It's pretty big. Yeah, I'll take it. So. I pulled the gun up and I, I shot the fish in the gill plate, which is a great holding shot. It means a fish will never get away. Just just behind the gill plate, anyway, and um, and and the fish didn't even react to the shot. Like it was a big <laughs> fish, didn't react to the shot. So I thought I'm going to swim over. It must be dead. I'll, I'll take it in my hands and I'll swim it to the surface. Yes. <laughs> and as I've swum to it, it's gone. Oh, hang on. There's something not right here. And it has just gone ballistic, and it has just put the power down and this fish has just gone for the horizon I, I guess you could speak straight straight offshore with me and I was short of him no boat no safety nothing by myself quite foolish and this thing has just gone at a hundred miles an hour and at that point I realized the size of this fish and my reel and and because I was new I'd bought a, a plastic reel quite cheap and the reel as I was running the line was actually burning burning a hole in the line guide because it was just running so fast underwater it was just cutting through it and so I, I grabbed the line with my gloves. I had, you know, neoprene gloves. I grabbed the line with my gloves. Another mistake. So this line is running so hard that it's just cut straight through neoprene gloves because it's quite abrasive. And, and it's just it's kind of burning my skin and cutting it underwater. And I thought, holy moly, what is going on here? So, you know, it's time to come up for air. So I've, I've kicked to the surface. The reel's running at 100 miles an hour. I can't stop it. I eventually sort of swim towards it and lock it off around my hand. And then that's... That's when it really hit. Because I was attached directly to the fish with no drag, I'm now the drag. 
And I've gone from sitting still in the water to doing maybe like four or five knots through the water and I put my head up and I've got this kind of like a bow wave and when I put my head down, it felt like the mask was going to get ripped off my face, you know. Yeah. And this, I'd gone from shooting, you know, two-pound fish to this monster. I mean, it was 20 kg, so what's that for, 50 pound maybe? Uh, yeah, like 50 it. pound. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, eventually you're out in dirty water and, this thing, as it's tying, it's circling, and I've pulled it up once. It's kicked free again. I've pulled it up second time. It's kicked free again. And finally, I've got it up, you know, got it in my hands, and, and I've, I've put, like, the rear naked choke on it because with a big <laughs> fish, you know, you've got to get your legs it's around it. It's like a WWE star. Yeah, man, and you're, you're hugging this thing, and you've, I've put the knife in it, and, you know, it's quite personal spearfishing, and I've put the knife in it, and I've, I've, I've brained it, and this, this blood's come out, and it's still sort of kicking. I couldn't get it, so... You know, early days I've had to cut the throat. Not best practice, but they, they die quickly anyway. But it's put a lot of blood in the water. And then I've looked at the shore and I've realised, oh, hang on, I'm 600 metres offshore. Oh, you just spilled <laughs> blood all this in the freaking water. blood out on the water. Half, half a mile offshore. <laughs> oh, half a mile God. offshore. There's all this blood in the water. You know, what now? So, you know, man, that that period of swimming offshore, onshore with blood in trail was like one of the most nerve-wracking um, what we call noob moments or new moments to the sport I've ever had. And yeah. as I got in, my mate comes in off the rocks. I'm sitting on the rocks, you know, chest heaving. And my <laughs> mate my mate walks up and he goes, good fish, man. I said, what did you get? And he said, I shot two fish, but the sharks came in and shredded them off the end of the spear. Oh, my <laughs> and I said, God. He said, I can't believe you got that in through the bull sharks. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't leave it behind. Like just it, it, thinking that that might happen. Once again, it's like it's you go to the effort, you go to the challenge, you put yourself up against everything, yeah. and, and you come away with it. And it's like, am I really going to give away my food, like my dinner, and everything I've done to get this to another yeah. predator in the ocean? Yeah, yeah. It's like, not. and when it when the challenge is on, it's like it's you, shark, or it's me. And and sometimes you know you think you can, I guess, uh, intimidate them to a degree, and then other times. They're all over it, and you've just got to go, all right, have the fish, you win. Yeah. But uh, on that day, I, I was just so excited and stoked that I just thought, no, no, I'm, I'm going to win this battle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you feel that spearfishing has changed you as a person at all? Like, do you feel more, like, zen and calm now or more connected to nature or anything? It's a very in-the-moment sport, and I think that's one of the most special things about it is, like, you're not thinking about work. You're not thinking about relationships or anything like that you're like 100 percent. i'm in the sea i'm diving i'm enjoying this experience it's very uh sort of engaging there's kind of these two speeds there's the relaxing and getting your breath hold ready and slowing your body down your heart rate um and learning to learning to breathe properly is something that you get taught on a free diving course and uh that that has transfer that transfers across everything because learning to breathe properly is about self-control if you're under stress and you can and you can control your breathing and get back into a rhythm yeah, it's very zen, man. Like, uh, it's to use your language. Like, uh, it's very centering, and I think there's that. And the other thing, probably with spearfishing, is you learn how to cope under pressure, because you, you know, you're in this state of zen, if you like. You're relaxed, and then you hold your breath and you dive down, and it's very, you know, like like peaceful. And then you're on the bottom, and all of a sudden, there's your target fish, and your heart rate goes up because you're excited. So you have to learn how to modify your your instincts and um it's it's very good effort and self-control i think that's one of the things i've Mm. got most out of spearfishing that's cool i mean those are like perfect traits to work on as a person yeah definitely so normally sorry go ahead 
Sorry, and probably like as a young guy, like they were some of some issues I've struggled with: self control, you know, being able to, you know, be self aware with my emotions and kind of like calm down and 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 you know, confrontation and conflict and things like that. I think spearfishing has transferred some of that stuff over into other areas of my life, and yeah, it's it's a good thing. Yeah, that's awesome. It's so great when something that you do physically uh, it kind of gives you these like philosophical life lessons, you know. Um, yeah, it's great. So, uh, normally to end the show, I ask about advice for new people looking to get started, but for this, why don't <laughs> you guys tell us about your site and your podcast? Cause I feel like your website and your podcast is like perfect for any new person looking to get more info about, about how to get started spearfishing. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Blake. Um, yeah, so we, we call our, our show the Noob Spiro podcast and, um, you know, we, we, we very much, we called it the Noob Spiro because noob mm. is like newbie, like a, a person that's new to something. And um, we borrowed the language from gaming. And Spiro <laughs> is just kind of like a, a genderless term for someone who it, shoots it was fish. Kind of, noob was kind of like a derogatory gaming term. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Like, I love you don't that. want to be a noob. So yeah. we're just like, let's embrace that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and we, 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 we try to break away from any sort of feelings of, you know, egotism with it. Um, and, uh, you know, our, our audience sort of like the fun, the fun style of things. And, um, and our, our blogs, we've, we're trying more and more to create articles and, and material to help people sort of get past that steep learning curve. So um, we're, we're doing our own 101 series at the moment. Like we're just we're starting right at the basic end, like how to shore dive. You know what equipment to buy, um, how how you just start with your you, with your breath hold and join a community, just basic things like that. So you're at noobspiro.com. dot com. Yeah, and, and just out of that, a big one for us too is is we we want to create guys that are like ethically minded and sustainable. Yeah, like if we if we want to see our sport progress and we want to see our reef systems and our ecosystems healthy in the future, I think um, I think it. We've got to be, you know, smarter as divers, and I think as people in general, you know, towards our sort of natural environment. So that's another thing we we, we try and push to. Mm. That's awesome. That yes. that all sounds great, man. Isaac Levi, thanks so much for all the info, you guys. This is really interesting. Cool. cool. Thanks, thanks, Blake. Hey everyone, it's Blake. Hope you all enjoyed the episode. If you're sitting there thinking to yourself, I wonder how I could help Blake out. First of all, you are probably the nicest person in the entire world. Secondly, all you have to do is just tell a friend about the show. I would really appreciate it. If you're sitting there and thinking, man, my job is really interesting, or man, I do this totally badass hobby. I should totally be on this show. Then you totally should be on the show. Just reach out to me on halfhourintern.com, my website. You can email me through there. And uh, if there is another job or hobby that you don't do, but you just want to hear about it, you can submit any sort of idea through the Submit Your Ideas link on the page. Thanks again for listening. Take care.